Good morning. Welcome to Westside Foursquare Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm so glad you've joined us this morning. It is the first Sunday of 2021. I am so excited. God is getting ready to do something new in the earth. He is getting ready to do something new in the United States. He is getting ready to do something new in the state of New Mexico and in the city of Albuquerque. I am convinced of it. And I don't know about anybody else, but I am ready for it. I heard a prophetic word this weekend that God says he will no longer be mocked. Amen. I continue to pray fervently that God will reveal corruption in the government, in business, in the entertainment world, and in churches. I want God to reveal truth. I think one of the challenges that we have in evangelizing our generation is that the lost don't know who they can trust. They have been lied to and lied to and lied to and lied to by politicians, by companies, by the entertainment industry, and you know what? By people who claim to be believers. And the lost have been lied to and lied to and lied to and they don't know who they can trust. And I am praying that God will go through our society and reveal the liars and reveal those who are corrupt and reveal the hypocrites so that those who are truly his people can stand up and speak the hope of the good news of the gospel and people will receive it because they will know who they can trust. But let's open in prayer. Today, I am going to talk about how you can have guaranteed success in 2021. Yes, guaranteed success in 2021. Now, give me a chance. Don't write me off. I promise this is not a name it and claim it sermon. Okay, this is not about you getting rich. This is about you being successful in 2021. So let's open in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have revealed yourself to anyone who is willing to see you. God, in your love and grace and mercy to those who are in rebellion, you have, a, you have arranged it so you are hidden from them. But to all who have ears to hear, you have arranged so that we can see you and know you. And God, we thank you for your word that gives us an anchor for our souls. And we ask, God, that you would open our hearts today. Let our hearts be good soil to receive your word and receive a bountiful harvest 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, 2020 is over. 2020 is the year that shall live in infamy. Oh my goodness, 2020 was a whole new level of challenge, hardship, and stress on our culture and society. By some counts, over 1.8 million people died from the COVID virus in 2020. Now, of course, that's based on how they count it and what they include, but that's a lot of people that were lost in 2020, not even counting how many people who died of other causes. 
In 2020, 25% of U.S. adults, that is one quarter of the adult population of the United States, say that either they or someone in their household lost their job due to the COVID pandemic. Now, it really wasn't due to the COVID pandemic. It was due to the response to the COVID pandemic which we can debate and argue whether all the response to the COVID pandemic was wise or foolish or whatever. But over a quarter of adults in the United States say that either they or someone in their household lost their job due to the COVID pandemic. What about wealth? How much wealth was lost due to COVID in 2020? Disney alone, and Disney did better than most companies, Disney alone lost almost half of their projected profits for 2020 were lost. 45 to 50% of their projected profit was lost in 2020. The United States alone is expected to lose three to four trillion dollars out of their gross domestic product. Gross domestic product is the value of everything that is produced in our jobs. And the United States is projected to have lost three to four trillion dollars. Do you know there have not even been a trillion seconds in the last 10,000 years? And they, have, they project that the United States has lost three to four trillion dollars of wealth because of COVID. And you know, the truth is that regardless of what politicians claim, there is no way we could have done anything to prevent this. Nobody knew this was coming. And even if they did know it was coming, nobody knew what to do about it. I hear people criticizing one side or the other about their response to COVID. Okay, but nobody knew. Nobody knew it was coming. Nobody knew what to do about it. And the truth is, for the most part, it was completely outside of our control. There's no way we could have avoided all that was lost in 2020. But how would you like to know that you can be guaranteed to be successful in 2021. Would anybody like to know the secret of how to be guaranteed successful in 2021? Well, I am going to tell you, because you know what? The Bible tells us how we can be guaranteed to be successful in 2021. But the first thing we have to do is we have to define what success is. We have to define what makes you successful in life. Do you know, I think that um, in our school systems today, in our college systems and education systems today, in our culture today, that is the number one thing that is missing is defining what success means. And so what happens is the world believes that success boils down to acquisition. Success boils down to how much stuff or money or power over others you can get. 
That's the world's idea of success, Rachel. That's why presidency in the United States is seen as one of the most successful jobs is because it wields some of the most power. That's right, because it makes you powerful. And really, the world's idea of power is being able to control your circumstances and the people around you. That is their idea of power. Did you know that that's the scriptural idea of what witchcraft is? Witchcraft is using magic to control people and circumstances around you. And the world believes that that kind of power makes you successful. That's why people want money. People want money because they believe it will make them set, safe and powerful. And that is the world's idea of success. And there's no, by and large in our culture, there's no other message. There is no other message. Do you know, uh, and I believe, that within the church in America, there's no other message except that success means you have money and power. Whether it's uh, the idea that you're a failure in ministry unless you have a megachurch, or it's the idea that you're a failure as a Christian if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to heal people, physically heal people, there is a definition in our culture that success means you have acquired wealth or acquired power. Look at those that the world calls successful. The rich, the powerful, the famous. But are they truly successful? Turn with me to Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. Please flip or click. Remember, I always encourage you to actually look up in the Bible what I'm telling you is in the Bible because you are responsible to know whether the teacher that you're listening to is telling you the truth. You are responsible. They're responsible to God, but you're also responsible. So please flip or click over to Luke 12, starting in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who has made me a judge or arbiter over you? He said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Okay, covetousness means what we just talked about, the desire for wealth and power. That's what covetousness is, that you want someone else's wealth or power. And Jesus says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What did Jesus just say? He just said that what the world's idea of success is, is not what life is about. And he told them a parable, verse 16, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. That means be happy. 
But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If you look at business people and try and gauge who has been successful, right now, many of the most successful people in the world's eyes are the people who own large tech companies. Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all these other people. Who's the guy who owns uh, the car company? Yeah, Musk, Leon Musk. All of them are considered to be successful, but you know what? You know what? All of the success and wealth and power that Steve Jobs laid up for himself, now he's dead. And all that wealth and power have gone to someone else. And someday Leon Musk will be dead. Someday all these people, their soul will be required of them by God. And Jesus says that all the wealth and power that they've amassed in the world will go to someone else. It will not be a credit to them anymore. But Jesus sets for his followers a different definition of what a successful person is. Go down to the very next verse. So first he tells this parable to the people that are listening to him, okay? He tells this parable and he says, look, that's not what life is about. Then he turns to his disciples. He turns to his followers. How many here are Jesus' follower? Raise your hand if you are a follower of Jesus. Okay, then this is, he made that first parable to all the people that were listening. Then he turns to his followers and he says this, and he said to his disciples, there I, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious for your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he talks about how the birds of the air, they don't go to work. They don't get a paycheck, but God takes care of them. And then he says, but, and you guys are more valuable to God than the birds are. And then he says, how many of you, by being anxious or by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? If you worry, is that going to help you live longer? No. In fact, medicine and science have shown us that if you worry, it will actually shorten your life, not make it longer. And then he says in verse 26, if, if you are not able to do as small a thing as add an hour to your life, why are you anxious about everything else? Then he says, look at the flowers of the field. They look better than Solomon did, who was super rich. He said, Solomon in all his fashionable clothing did not look as good as the beautiful flowers that you see in a field, which are one day are beautiful and the next day are picked and thrown into the fire. Verse 29, he says, Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Jesus says, Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Jesus says that a successful person 
in the eyes of the eternal kingdom of God, a successful person is a not pers- a person who chases after money and stuff and power. Jesus says a successful person is a person who chases after God. Then he says, verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So in other words, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you can chase after the wealth and security of the world, but God wants to give you himself. God wants to give you himself, the very source of life, the very source of joy, the very source of fulfillment, wants to give you himself. And Jesus is saying success is not found in chasing after all these other things. Success is found in receiving what God has for you, which is himself. Then he says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is God saying? Is God saying don't have a job? Is that what Jesus is saying? Is he saying don't go to the grocery store and buy food for yourself? Is he saying we should walk around naked and not worry about wearing clothes? No, of course not. Of course not. In Jewish teaching, the lesson that is meant to be learned by the story that was just told is in the last line. What is the last line of that passage in verse 34? Wherever your treasure is, there uh, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The point of what Jesus said in this passage is not that we don't get jobs or that we don't buy food or we don't buy clothing. The point is, where is your heart? What do you consider important? When he talks about treasure, he's saying, what do you value? What do you value? Jesus is talking about our hearts, our souls. What is your priority? Is it worldly possessions and security? Or are you going to change your priority to receive the kingdom that God is giving to you, which is himself? Look at verse 33. It says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. What is he talking about there? He talks about thieves and moths. Thieves represent the efforts of people to take something away from you. Listen. God has chosen to allow us as human beings to make our choices. And he has chosen to withhold his justice for a time and allow people to make their choices. 
And people, especially people who have prioritized earthly wealth and earthly power and earthly possessions, those people are going to steal from you. I firmly believe that this last presidential election, there are those who are trying to steal it. They're trying to steal power. Do you know why? Because they believe that is the source of their happiness. They believe that is what is successful. If I can just get into the White House, I'll be successful. If me and the people who agree with me have control of a country, we'll be successful. Thieves exist. Thieves will try and steal from us. In fact, they will steal from us. What do moths represent? Moths represent entropy and decay. We live in a world that is cursed by sin. Stuff wears out. Things fall apart. There are forces at work in the universe. It's called entropy. It's one of the laws of thermodynamics. The things are going from a state of great organization to a state of less organization. Stuff breaks. And you know what you learn when you start getting into your 30s and 40s and 50s? Your, your physical body is one of those things that wears out. Jesus tells us to work for treasure in his kingdom. What does that mean? Oh, well, I need to save stuff up so that I can have stuff when I die. Are we like the ancient Egyptians who believed we could send treasures with us into the afterlife? Is that what that's about? No, remember that final line clarifies it's not about the stuff. It's about where our hearts are. Peter? that we should value stuff in heaven, not stuff on earth. That's right. It means we should value the things that are treasures in heaven. And it's about where our hearts are. Are our hearts wrapped up? Are we valuing and prioritizing the things that the earth says make us successful? Money, power, Earthly security, the ability to bend other people to our will. Is that what we're prioritizing or are we prioritizing the kingdom that God wants to give us? Are we prioritizing him? Well, what did Jesus say about fame and power? Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Flip or click. Because Jesus actually had something to say about fame and power in the world. Mark 8, starting in verse 31. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Those were the people who had power and influence in Jesus' day. The elders, the chief priests, the scribes. Jesus said, I'm going to be rejected by the powerful. I'm going to be rejected by the famous. And be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Listen, we give Peter a hard time. Because we look back at Peter and go, <laughs> Peter was so unspiritual. 
He had in mind the things of man and not the things of God. <laughs> Silly old Peter. But you know what? Peter's motivation was good. Peter wanted Jesus. He knew that Jesus had the truth. He even said, you alone hold the words of eternal life. And Peter wanted Jesus' influence to grow. He wanted Jesus to become more famous. He wanted Jesus to have more authority and more ability to tell people about the kingdom of God. Peter's intentions were good. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Jesus was not here to get worldly fame. He was not here to gain worldly influence. That is having your mind on the things of man, not the things of God. You know, in our society today, we no longer have heroes. It used to be that we would have heroes. We would um, look up to people who accomplished great things, who were becoming great men, not acquiring a lot of stuff, but becoming great men and women. We used to have heroes. But you know what we have today? Today we have celebrities. Today we have celebrities. We have people who are famous for being famous. They haven't done anything. They haven't accomplished anything. They haven't, they're not good people. They don't have successful lives, successful marriages, successful families. And they're famous for being famous. We don't have heroes anymore. We have celebrities. And you know what I believe? I believe that celebrity is one of the most cruel, horrible, selfish things that a human being can do to another human being. Because of celebrities, there are, because of the, the whole celebrity mindset, there are human beings who cannot just live their lives. They can't go out in public without being swamped by photographers and people trying to touch them and get their stuff. They have to hire armed guards and live behind walls. That's not freedom, that's slavery. Celebrity has made human beings slaves to a culture. That's not good. That's wicked. That's evil for people to do that to other people. I mean, these celebrities can't walk down the street with their kids without being swamped and without being accosted by People who have put this celebrity on them. It's not the things of God. It's the things of man. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. Peter, you've got it upside down. My success is not built on being famous or being accepted by people. And he called the crowd with his disciples. This is the very next verse. 
Verse 34, and he called to him the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what that cross represents? It's humility, not allowing yourself to be lifted up, not lifting yourself up or seeking fame or seeking influence, but taking up the cross like Jesus did and becoming a servant. Verse 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. Verse 36, for what does, a, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Now, wait a second. That sounds upside down, doesn't it? Remember I talked about gross national product? I talked about how Disney had lost half of its profit margin. In other words, they're not making as much money as they thought. And we think, when we think about profit, we think about, okay, I bought something for $5 and I sold it for $10. I made a $5 profit. I doubled my money. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul, loses his own life. There's no profit. You can be rich, but if your life is given away to fame, if you had to give your, you know, these people, I think of a certain set of sisters who are very famous and they're famous for being famous. But do you realize that every other day they have to put revealing photographs of their own bodies online in order to maintain that fame? They're sacrificing their lives. They're sacrificing their own personal value for that fame. What does it profit them if they should gain that fame in the whole world, the notoriety of the whole world, but they have to give up their own soul? They have to sell their own life for that? Jesus says that doesn't profit them anything. Verse 37, and what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the whole and, the, and with the holy angels. Jesus takes the whole idea of fame and influence and turns it on his head. It is not fame in front of people that matters. It's not fame and influence in front of earthly people, in front of an adulterous and sinful generation that matters. What matters is, are we known before the Father in heaven? That's what matters. Are we famous before God? You know what? Let me tell you something. You want to know who the most famous people in my life are? My wife and daughters. They matter more to me than any other human beings on this earth. My wife and my children matter more to me than anybody else. As a father, if I were to take the influence of all the people in the earth and measure it, I am going to give more 
uh, effort and attention to my children, to my daughters and their husbands and to my wife than I am to anyone else. And all that matters to me is that they are famous to me. And all that matters, Jesus says, is are we famous to our Father in heaven? Rachel. You talking about being famous in front of God reminds me of something I saw on Pinterest a while ago. Uh, it was something to the effect of pray to the Lord so much that when you get up to heaven, he says, girl, you kept me busy. What matters is are we famous to God? Does he know us? And I've said this a thousand times. I will probably say it 10,000 times before I go to be with Jesus. In order for someone to know you, they have to be invited. You know why celebrity is so powerful? Is because we have a desire in our hearts to know and be known. And celebrity gives you a false sense of knowing. These people who buy these magazines about actors and celebrities and they read through all the stuff, you know what it is? It is a false sense of intimacy. Oh, I know these actors. I know these actresses. I know these famous people. I know them. No, you don't. You know information about them, but you can't know them unless they invite you to know them. You can't know a person unless that person allows you into their life. And Jesus says, what matters is, does God know you? Do I know you? And we have to make effort and we have to make decisions to allow God to know us. You know why people will not go to heaven with Jesus? Jesus says more than one time at the end, people are going to stand before him and they're going to say, Jesus, we did all these things for you and in your name. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, leave. You know why? I never knew you. Do you realize people are not going to suffer in hell because they're sinners? We're all sinners. People are going to end up in hell because there's nowhere else for them to go if Jesus doesn't know them. And that's a choice that we make. We can absolutely be successful in our lives, guaranteed, if we define success the way Jesus defines success. If we define success as, can I get to know God better and can I allow him to know me better? Can I increase in my intimate relationship and interaction with Jesus on a daily basis? You know what? It doesn't matter if there are a hundred viruses. It doesn't matter if there's war. It doesn't matter if we go through a depression. It doesn't matter if our society collapses. If we define a successful life the way Jesus defines a successful life, we can be successful in 2021. There's only one person who will decide whether we're successful or not. 
And it's not God. God has already decided to give us access to his kingdom. That's what Jesus said. There's only one person who will decide whether or not they are, you are successful in 2021. Who is that person? You. Yeah. Take your finger like this. Point it to your own head. You are the only person who will decide whether or not you are successful in 2021. If your, defini if your definition of success has to do with money and power and influence, you have very little control over that, y'all. There are people who had, had focused 99% of their effort and energy on being rich and, and 2020 destroyed their efforts. And it was outside of their control. But if we, if we change our definition of success to be walking into the kingdom of God, taking up my cross daily and following Jesus, knowing Jesus and letting him know me, nothing can stop that. Why? Because God has already determined to give us the kingdom. Turn with me. We're going to close with this scripture. Romans 8, starting in verse 26. There are lots of people who love Romans 8, 28. But I have found there is so much treasure in the verses around it that make it make more sense. Romans 8, starting in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You know, the... Paul tells us here, we don't even know what to pray for. We don't even know. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what, the mind of the, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, what is the will of God? Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So what is God's will? That all things will work together for our good. And who does that apply to? Those who are called according to his purpose. Well, what is his purpose? Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So we know that God's will is that good things will happen to us for everybody who is called according to his purpose. And his purpose is that we will be conformed into the image of his son in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That means success. That means fame in the kingdom. We're, God is glorifying us in the heavenlies. He's making us, when we are pursuing Jesus, God is making us famous in front of himself and in front of all the angels. You know what? There are people following Jesus, and when they walk into eternity, the angels are going to go, 
Oh, can I have your autograph? And Jesus says that is true success. When we define God's purpose for us to be conformed into his image, we, and when we define that as success, we make that our goal, not to get stuff or get power, but when we're choosing every day to walk in harmony with what God wants to do in our lives, everything around us starts being twisted and bent for our good. Does that include thieves and moths? We li- Jesus says we live in a world where thieves will come in and steal and moths will come and destroy, right? So the ill will of other human beings toward us <clears throat> and the decay of the universe around us, is that included in what will be turned for our good by God? It says... All things work together for good. You mean if somebody comes and steals from me, God can work that for my good? Yep. You mean if, I, if something wears out, if I get a flat tire on the freeway, God can work that for my good? Yep. That's all things. Sophia? Sometimes God will use hard things in your life to work out good in other people's lives too, which likewise gives you the opportunity to also receive the good because you're able to help them. But sometimes right. it's not even just about our good, but it's also the fact that God's working out that out for the good of the mechanic. Exactly. For the good of whoever else is involved too. God will use the hardship in our lives if we're willing, if we're willing to change the way we think, God will use the hardships in our life for other people's good. Which guess what? When we allow God to use the hardship in our life for other people's good, you know what that does? It conforms us into the image of Jesus because God used hardship in Jesus' life for our good. Is that guaranteed? Yes. Look at the very next set of verses, starting in verse 31. So then, what shall we say to these things? Here's what we will say. If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Is that a guarantee of success? Is God's purpose ever, ever stopped? No. And he's the one who's for us. And Jesus himself is standing in front of God and he's saying, hey God, see Rachel, Do her good today. Now, you know what? If it's me alone coming before God going, oh God, please do good things for me, I wouldn't put much confidence in that prayer. You know why? Because I'm a mess. Because I fail. Because I make mistakes. Because I'm not everything I ought to be. 
But Jesus stands before God and, and asks God to do good things for me? Is that a guarantee of success? I think so. It says right here, if God did not spare his own son but gave him up for me, how will he, al how will he not also with him graciously give me all things that I need? Is that talking about money and earthly things? No, because that's not what's important. We just learned that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tell me this next phrase, does this not describe 2020? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword... Will that separate us from God's love is what Paul's saying. He says, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Then he says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Jesus is saying, you are guaranteed to succeed. guaranteed to succeed. Paul finishes with this, for I am sure, some translations say, I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor politics nor viruses nor economies nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, self-check. Self-check. Here at the beginning of 2021, how do you define success? Does it mean you get a promotion at work? Does it mean you end the year with more money in the bank than when you started? Does it mean you have more control over your circumstances so that you feel safe? Does it mean you have more friendships with people? Is that how you define success? I hope not, because if 2020 has taught us anything, it's how little control we have over those things. If those are your definition of success, you could end up in 2021 being more successful or you could end up at the end of 2021 being a total, utter failure and it's outside of your control. Romans 8 verse 5 says, 5 through 7 says, For those who live according to the flesh, that means earthly stuff, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Y'all, we can be successful in 2021 by setting our minds on the things of the Spirit of God, setting our minds on the kingdom of God, investing our hearts in the treasures of, of His kingdom. 
We can be guaranteed to succeed. God, before we begin this year, before we begin to invest our attention, our energy, our efforts, our resources on success, would you change our minds, change the way we think, change our definition of success to match your definition of success? Then empower us. Then give us the resources that we need. Then give us the hope and the energy that we need to pursue life. But start by helping us pursue the right things. We thank you that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. Let, us that, let that be our focus. Let that be our goal let that be our dreams. Let that be our vision. Let that be our purpose to be conformed into your image. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today here. Thank you for joining us online. Um, I appreciate it. And I hope that you heard something in this that is the voice of the Holy Spirit meeting a need in your heart. We love you. We believe in you. We believe in Jesus in you. Thank you. We'll see you next week.